Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two for One Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast today on Wednesday's episode of Two for One Drafts. Mike and I are going to look at the all-riser team. Look at the all-riser team that's live on PFF.com right now, the biggest prospect risers of the 2020 season, and then also our classics, the review, or the preview, rather, of the NFL and college football slate, looking at rookies and prospects to watch, and our NFL and NCAA green line picks. Let's get it. podcast is going to be a great one mike i started my day off pretty fantastic i have to say so for those who don't know i've been living in cincinnati not since nine days after i graduated from san diego state in may of 2017 and every single day since then i have not had a car i've biked all throughout queen city biked in this morning record the podcast at 7 a.m a little 6 30 a.m bike ride it was fantastic hit all greens on the way 34 degrees outside a couple good songs on the spotify i just feel like i can't miss right now so i think this podcast is gonna we're gonna see some after aftermath of that even if you didn't hit greens do you just go through sometimes when oh, it's early in the morning like i haven't stopped at a red since Pac died yeah okay that's, I mean, bikers i would never bike in a city because it seems ridiculously dangerous but they also like bring it on themselves because they're just assholes i feel like in a city like going through i've reds, had people throw stuff going on sidewalks kind of stuff yeah. yeah i mean I, I do feel like i bring on a different persona george Chahuri actually bought me a helmet because i don't wear a helmet on my bike he bought well me that's a on you you should definitely wear a helmet i should definitely wear a helmet yeah. yeah some people say i'm gonna die on a bike who knows but uh i think this podcast is gonna be great for another reason as well we got two really really good opening storylines before we dive into the all riser team and then also our prospect and rookies preview and our nfl and ncaa green line picks i got some good green line picks this week we talked about it on the monday episode i'm on a heater and when you're on a heater, you stay on the floor until the casino closes. Guess what? The casinos don't close. All right, starting with this storyline here, you have to bring it up. Ohio State and Michigan will not play in the year 2020. It's the first time the two teams won't play in over 100 years. I saw that tweet and kind of like, Oof. you know, scratched my eyes. I don't think that's a thing at all. But Did they play during the last pandemic? What was that one? 1918? Did they play then? I have no idea. You said over 100 years. Over 100 years probably. Maybe they that was the last did. time they were canceled. I, so there's good news and bad news to this. Yeah. The bad news is obviously we're in a situation where Ohio State might not get the six games needed to play in the Big Ten Championship and therefore potentially might not make the college football playoff, even though that's completely subjective. The college football playoff could say, hey, I don't care how many games they play. They're the fourth best team in the country. Who knows? Or they put Iowa State in. You never know what the college football playoff committee is going to do. The good news is Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, doesn't have to lose to Ohio State this year. <laughs> David Sofaro, um, our guy who works the timestamps here on the uh, 2 for 1 Drafts podcast, big Michigan guy. He gets to not see a loss this year. That's huge. Yeah. That's I'll huge for Jim Harbaugh's stock. That's huge for Big Blue. I think that's going to help recruiting. You don't have to bring that it tape does. up. So, I mean, Kirk Herbstreet suggested they would intentionally opt out. I'm not going to go as far as to suggest that, even though I wouldn't put it past them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have the same take on this as I did about basically uh, Greg Williams and them calling the zero blitz. If, so I said, if it was Super Bowl, he's not calling that. If it was, if the shoes were flipped, Michigan's five and zero. Oh, they don't have a rampant COVID outbreak. They're they are locked down. They're taking it a little bit more seriously in that program, and they're not canceling this game. They're not going to be the one who has the problem that cancels this game. But they're two and four. They are the team that doesn't want to play this because they're going to get their ass handed to them if they did play. And so, oh yeah, we got some cases. Yeah, guys, you can do whatever the hell you want. I think if the shoes shoes on the other foot, uh, there's no way Harbaugh is allowing this game to get canceled. 
I probably agree with that actually. Before we jump off of this, let's 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 play this scenario out. Say Ohio State doesn't schedule another game, and the Big Ten doesn't put them in the Big Big Ten championship because they don't make that six game rule. The stu- which just like the the way the Big Ten handled this, the way the Pac twelve handled this, they just look dumb as all shit if they leave Ohio State. I saw out someone tweet out saying the Big Ten with fourteen teams doesn't want to bend the rules. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, that's a, it's a fair take. I mean, it, it's um, it's just like, I don't think that's ultimately what's going to happen. I think there's a good chance Ohio State schedules a game this weekend. Texas A&M has the week off. I think there's a chance that they schedule them. But here's the thing. Go look at the college football playoff rankings. If you're listening to this right now, I suggest, or I can just read them to you. I'm not going to read them to you. Go look at them. But Ohio State's at four. Like college football playoff kind of like forced or almost like pigeonholed themselves into putting Ohio State in, even if they don't play in the Big Ten championship game, because they're at four, and the teams behind them right now at five, Texas A&M, they're not playing another game. Florida, yes, they could beat Alabama, but like likely not going to beat Alabama in the SEC title game. So that's five and six right there aren't going to jump Ohio State. Iowa State has two losses, one to Louisiana Lafayette. True. Even if they win the Big Ten 12 title against Oklahoma, are you putting them? In the college football playoff, after losing to Louisiana, that would Lafayette. be a farce, an absolute farce. With two losses. Iowa State, these freaking Cyclones, yeah. going to the college football playoff over an Ohio State team that's obviously one of the four best teams in the country, yeah. despite how many games they've played. I mean, just throw this entire season out the window. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I, I couldn't do it. And, and and say Cincinnati beats Tulsa, and the that's the only one. Cincinnati at eight has Tulsa. That's the only team with I a still game don't even like that, that matchup. I don't want to stock. wake up on the day that I have to see Cincinnati in a spread of minus twenty or plus twenty against Alabama, and then watch but, them get beat yeah. down. Like that's that's not what I signed up for when we get this four team college football playoff. Put yeah. the four best teams in there. It's a subjective committee for a reason, and let's see the four best teams. Play. So that's what I'm saying. They like even with only five games, I think Ohio State doesn't need to play again. To make the playoff with how it's structured right now. The only way they would not make it is if Florida ends up beating Alabama. Interesting stuff. I want to add another storyline here. Something quick to touch on before we get to our third storyline, which is honestly fantastic. Um, Des Bryant, last night in the Baltimore Ravens-Cowboys game, warms up, gets pulled for a positive COVID test because it was inconclusive throughout the day, whatever it was. Can we talk about how he just tweeted through it last night? Absolutely incredible efforts from Des Bryant. If you haven't seen it yet... Search Des Bryant on Twitter and just scroll, baby. Scroll. He originally mm-hmm. tweets out and lets the, everyone know that he got pulled from the game because he tested positive for COVID. And then he, Started a couple drinking. seconds later, no, no, doesn't no, start but, drinking yet. Oh, yeah. A couple seconds later, says, I'm done with the season. And then I got to drink some wine and cope. Then he's retweeting people, sending him pictures of them drinking wine. It was absolutely incredible. The, did the, the, did the, you have a glass of wine with him? I didn't have a glass of wine with him. I, I did. did see him retweet uh, someone who had like a bottle of Menage a Trois. It's a $9 wine that you can get from Kroger. But it's hilarious to see that other people are also drinking that wine. I'm not saying I have, but you know, you never know. I have. Yeah, I have actually. I it's, have drinking a Menage a Trois. And then it also spawned the most obvious joke that I saw probably over. Oh, yeah. The Des Cotton stuff was played out. It was like played out like two seconds. In. Like that's one of those where you think of it. Everyone thinks of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have the wherewithal to be like, no, don't tweet this because it's the most obvious thing, reaction to exactly what that Absolutely. was. Absolutely. All right, last thing here, and we actually have some audio of this from our producer, Mike Quinn, to play this, and we'll definitely get into it. But Pac-Man Jones went live on Instagram and was in his bag on Instagram talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. And the biggest part of it was talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and the guys that left Cincinnati and them having success outside of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, he brings up uh, Carlos Dunlap, um, a handful of other guys from Cincinnati that have left and have had more success, or uh, Trey Wayne, some other guys. Um, but then also not Trey Wayne's, not Trey Wayne's. Yeah, sorry, Trey Kirkpatrick. Trey Kirkpatrick. Yeah, and I then, can see um, why you'd think they're similar. Though. <laughs> they, and lastly, he brings up he's like, even you know, guess what? He says, guess what? 
Even Damata got picked up. He's balling. He just <laughs> keeps saying balling the entire time. And the best part of the clip, and we'll play this now, is at the tail end of this thing, he's like, what are you going to do now? You're going to get a top 10 pick, draft a receiver, throw him a slant, and it just ends. They do so need a draft receiver. Too. Yeah, but they do need yeah, a draft, draft receiver. But you're not going to just throw him a slant. It's not that simple, Pac-Man. There's other things you can throw this receiver. But, uh, Mike, go ahead and run the clip. At some point, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, you know what they call it, right? One of my favorite things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody who get rid of get out of this motherfucker is balling. Drake, balling. Carlos, balling. Guess what? Even Donatar got picked back up. Balling. Go to shit. Vontaze when he wasn't it, balling. So it ain't the motherfucking players. Y'all keep trying to get rid of. Get rid of the goddamn coach. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. Crazy as hell, man. What the hell is wrong with y'all? What's up gonna do? Give him another first round pick. I mean, a top ten pick. Get him hurt too. What are you gonna do? We gonna get a receiver? You gonna throw him a slant? I don't want to say he's wrong. I, I do think the coaching staff is struggling to relate to players when you have veterans as upset as they are. There, Carlos Dunlap, you know, Geno Atkins. They have the talent on both sides of the ball to not be absolute trash when Joe Burrow's not there. But they have it like that. They've won what one game without Joe Burrow under center so far, like in his tenure, what Zach Taylor has. So it's just not, uh, I, I do question like the coaching staff that there has been some problems. And that was in the only, the report from Lisa Jesse, uh, who used to work as a uh, anchor here in town is now doing exact. I should know works for someone else. Uh, nice. But had a report about like some, some people, like some, undisclosed sources saying that there's like serious issues between like coaches relating to players and that sort of thing Yikes. that and like the offensive line coach being the same offensive line coach who was there for the reaching incognito uh, Jonathan Martin bullying scandal out in Miami that there's just like some serious issues going on behind the scenes and I would not be surprised if we did not see if we saw them not coaching in Cincinnati. Next I year. forgot to bring up two of the better parts of the clip as well. And Pac-Man Jones is ripping a blunt the entire time, just absolutely cruising well, that's through Pac-Man a blunt. Jones. I did a shot with Pac-Man Jones last year at uh, really? Gallup Park. A shot of Hennessy <laughs> with him and his wife, actually. And uh, I told him he's the best man cover corner I've ever seen. So that's is why that I log, true? That's why I log out. No, that's why I log out Twitter <laughs> when I'm drunk. <laughs> you told him he's the best man corner you've ever seen. Oh, you yeah. lied to him. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to shout with Pac-Man Jones. You were nicer. You were nicer to Pac-Man Jones than you were to Todd McShay. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. All right, let's go ahead and get into the All Riser team, Mike. How do you want to do this? You wrote up this for the site. You go quarterback, running back, do a full team like you would an All Pro team or a Pro Bowl team, correct? But all prospect risers. Do you want to read every guy on this list or on some of the highlights? Yeah, we'll go through. Let's everyone. give the people what they want. You, you you choose which ones you feel like they're the most interesting to talk about. Okay, will do. Well, I think the biggest one right now, and I, only because I want to skip over Zach Wilson. We've talked about Zach Wilson ad nauseum on this podcast. The Chanticleers, he has debacle. Risen. He has risen a ton. And with the Chanticleers debacle, he's still earned an 88.0 plus PFF grade. What I want to talk about is Javante Williams, running back of North yeah. Carolina, who we had to stand for a bit on the Maxwell Award list. If you're going to consider running backs for the Maxwell Award list, which I think ultimately it does go to a quarterback in, in this season. But if you are going to consider running backs, it's not just Najee Harris. It's not just Brees. It's not just Khalil Herber. I think Javante Williams, who I think is going to break the PFF record for force missed tackles per attempt this season, if yeah. not get close to it has to be in that conversation. He's been a huge riser this season for the Tar Heels. So we've seen some guys in recent years who have had massive tackle, broken tackle numbers. I always I always don't know what to say when I'm talking about tackles. Force missed tackles. Force missed tackles, tackles. Avoided like tackles. Broken, broken tackles. tackles. Massive broken tackle want. numbers. 
Zach Moss, Dave Montgomery, to me, he is easily the best athlete of those guys who have, like, in that sort of category of, like, really good balance. I think Javante Williams is going to test really well. It's 5'10", 220. To me, he's the second best back in this class right behind Travis Etienne at this point. And his broken tackle number, 63 broken tackles on 134 attempts. Like, that's the best per touch we've seen in the last seven years. So, uh, yeah, and, and he was not – he was good last year. Don't get me wrong. 88.3 rushing grade a season ago. 56 broken tackles on 165 attempts. But he's gotten bigger. A little more explosive this year. Run grade up to 94.3. He is, yeah, easily risen a lot. I think Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech deserves some love in that conversation too as well. Senior Bowl invite. I think yep. Khalil Herbert's going to the Senior Bowl, even though we talk about it every year. When we get to our Senior Bowl preview podcast, by the way, tune in to 2-4 drafts. I don't think anyone does the Senior Bowl better than we do. We got all the data and, and definitely get to look at those guys. But we always bring up with the Senior Bowl, the running back position is not you're not you're not raising your stock a ton at the Senior Bowl playing running yeah. back. but Because you don't know what's tackling. Yeah. Exactly. That's um, like a big part of... Going to skip over some names here, but mention them. Wide receiver Elijah Moore. We've talked about him a ton. You have James Mitchell, uh, the Virginia Tech tight end. But who I want to talk about is Jalen Darden, who we've heard from some sources around the league is getting some interest from certain people. But Jalen Darden has some juice coming out of North Texas. I'm, I'm have a, we heard from certain people around I have, the league I that have. he's getting some interest have. from certain people? I have heard from some certain people. I got sources. That's the most man. vague. <laughs> I've heard from some certain people. <laughs> anyway, Jalen Darden of North Texas has some juice. Smaller frame, yeah. but he's got... Like, you, you see it pop off the tape, and when you're watching guys in, not in the Power 5 and you see him bring a different level of athleticism, different level of speed, explosiveness, I, I was big on Jalen Darden's tape. That's the thing. It's I think what makes Tyreek Hill so special is that there are a lot of guys that are fast. There are a lot of guys that are shifty. There are not a lot of guys that are fast and shifty. Like, Henry Ruggs is fast. He's not shifty. Um, Boston Scott's shifty. He's not fast. I think Jalen Darden has that very similar to – Gosh, I'm blanking on the name now. Last year, Tulane wide receiver Darnell went Mooney. to the Bears, Darnell Mooney. Very similar sort of profile in that shiftiness to get off the line and then the speed with once he's off you, once like you can't touch him, he's going to blow by, past you. And so uh, at only 174 pounds, he's broken 20 tackles this year on 66 times. I think that's like oh, wow. the most indicative of just the kind of athlete we're working with there. And yeah, he's been excellent for them. With Darnell Mooney, I'm interested to see how Chicago treats the quarterback situation. Because I could see him with an increased volume being a lit, like a small fantasy sleeper, thinking about fantasy football just mm-hmm. for a second, just to see how it feels. But um, Darnold Mooney, man, when when they do target him, he he, he produces, man. He's got he's got good um, movement after the catch. He well, can also create separation deep. Um, when he gets hit by the quarterbacks. What did you say? When they also throw it accurately to them. Yeah, true. That's true. All right. a lot of guys back there. The all-riser offensive line here. I do think, Loki, the Bears might have one of the best, like a top five receiving core right now. Just no one knows it because... Really? With Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Robinson Darnold Mooney. Mooney? Yeah. And then they have every tight end in the NFL, right? Like, <laughs> they have so <laughs> yeah, many tight ends. A stockpile of tight ends. All right. The, off- the all-riser offensive line here. Uh, Christian Darisaw, the offensive tackle for Virginia Tech. He's been fantastic this year. One of the highest grades in all college football. Larry Borum of Missouri, who we'll get to later in a prospect matchup. The guards are Elijah, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker of USC, who's played tackle this year for yep. USC and has looked very, very good. Jack Anderson of Texas Tech, who we mentioned on the Monday episode of 2 for 1 Drafts. And then your guy, I know a guy you're really high on, despite maybe some size concerns, is Tyler Linderbaum of Iowa, who continues to grade really, really well uh, for Iowa so far. Yeah, he's year. the highest-graded center in college football. And I think the biggest thing with him, and I was talking with Ben Fennell about him, uh, who works for uh, used to work for ESPN NFL Match. He works for NFL Media now. Yeah. Um, he, for the season, he didn't even like 
we just didn't see him as a prospect for this class because he was what 265 pounds last year mm-hmm. the guy was tiny at center even though he was very good they just like didn't see him like didn't include him in the name of the top centers in the country because like he's not going to come out in 2021 gained like 20 pounds over the summer it's 289 now looks like an actual center size and is the best center in the country i i think he could could actually with how well he's played this season and obviously the physical aspect of it declare this year if he wanted to and be one of the top centers taken if not the top center taken that's wild man that's a huge glow up for tyler linderbaum talking about weight for a little bit i i have to bring this up because i watched the ravens cowboys game last night the fact that patrick ricard is 310 pounds is absolutely absurd the fullback defensive tackle for the ravens because he is not like a tall player he is thick and dense that body weight or that ratio is just absurd to me every time he's out on the football field catching passes out of the backfield at 310 pounds uh he wears 311 don't shortchange him he's listed at 311 on the ravens that's on me that's on me no no honestly mike that's on me it's probably like he maybe maybe took a big dump for yesterday's game. True. No, that's I think that's what they said on the broadcast. <laughs> Troy Aikman brought that up. Uh, defensive line here, Haskell Garrett of Ohio State, a guy that I yeah. brought up a handful of times on this pod. I, I think he flashes on tape. I yeah. haven't watched like full games of his yet, but going back and watching some of his pass rush snaps, you can see him win early in the snap. <clears throat> You have a Lee McNeil of NC State, a guy that we highlighted even before the season who's playing really well this year. Nick Benito of Oklahoma, who is another guy that I've heard from multiple people that, you know, Nick Benito has been rising up this year. Nick Benito, Nick Benito, Nick Benito of Oklahoma, the edge defender. And then I'm going to battle to finish And he's a guy who... Go ahead. Not a lot of, you know, he was an athletic, undersized guy. And you always worry about those, but he's put on some weight. Looks and, and explosiveness has stayed this season. He's the highest graded pass rusher in the country right now. Yeah, on a per snap base. So yeah, this one, this last one here, Z- Zion Tupuola Fatui of Washington, the edge defender that I think in recent weeks, obviously because Washington had a delayed start of the season, no one was talking about him until over the past like two or three weeks. But mm-hmm. he so far. He's even outperformed some of the other Washington defenders that we thought were going to really take their steps forward. Um, he's been one of their best players so far this year. Yeah. So Joe Tryon opted out. Looks like he's costing himself some money because his backup's playing better than him right now. Or the guy who was his backup. Zion Tupola Fatui. Yeah, like I said, only 151 snaps last year, only four pressures. Completely different player this year. 20 pressures already in four games. He's been excellent. Like I said, we've highlighted him a few times. I just don't know with some of these guys. And who was it that someone reported yesterday that they were the agent they were talking to that a lot of the guys that he wants to sign are coming back to school because this is a the rule about anyone even if you played this year gets another year of eligibility mm-hmm. for football he's had a lot of guys who are even like could get drafted are going to come back to school next year Damn. or thought of as like seniors could be coming back to school next year that's that's wild. so so i i, I do wonder if a lot of these though, guys if you're who, only putting like 200 snaps on tape and, and you want to go back to school you want to finish your degree yeah, like exactly. you get that extra year of eligibility I don't know. It depends on your age, too, because you don't want to enter the draft at like 23, 24 years old. But if you're a younger player, 2021, 20, yeah. I, I, I think I'm kind of for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to bring up Ali McNeil just just one more time. 320-pound nose tackle. Eric Eager has been talking to me, Dr. Eric Eager, who also is a um, podcast co-host on the PFF Forecast. He's working on a piece talking about the value of nose tackles, the value of guys that can you know, line up over the center, two gap and play that really well to open things up. And, and I, I think um, Ali McNeil, this guy that you're not going to draft in the first round, day two, I don't know where it may, probably somewhere on day two, but talking about nose tackles and what they can bring to the table, I think is interesting because the position of value for interior defensive linemen overall doesn't compare to edge defenders, corners, but having a guy that can be that big middle piece for your defense, he thinks there's value there. He's going to look more into it. I th- I'm, I'm really excited about that piece coming up. Um, 
Jumping to linebackers here. Two of my favorite players to watch this year, honestly. Mike Jones is a guy that every time you turn on Clemson's defense is making plays. But you also have Zayvon Collins of Tulsa, who I think is probably the favorite for the Benaric Ward so far this year. Um, if he has a big game against Cincinnati in the championship, I don't even think they have to win that game. But if he has a big game in that one, I think he secures it. Um, Zayvon Collins of Tulsa, Mike Jones Jr. of Clemson. Who do you think goes first between those two? I've seen Zayvon Collins mock in the first Collins. round. Really? Yes. I think someone's going to love Zayvon Collins. Sort of like... And we said the teams that, you know, like Dante Hightower-esque mold, Zayvon Collins, like that's the type of linebacker you're getting. So teams that are Belichick disciples defensively, whether it's Giants, uh, the Dolphins. I think in uh, the mock draft we did, I did a mock draft with uh, Fran Duffy, Ben Fennell, and uh, Dane Brewer, friend of the pod. If you guys haven't listened, it's on the... I don't know why I don't know where it's on, but you can go Google search that one. And we did a full mock draft where we rotated and Zayvon Collins went to the Dolphins in the first round in that one. I, I'm interested. I agree that like that's the type of player he is, that style of player. But is that style of player from a value perspective worth a first round pick? I don't know. I, I, I mean, compare him coming out as a prospect to Jelani Tavai coming out as a prospect okay. who went at the top of the second round. <clears throat> July not that, that's, was not that July July deserves okay. to be. How are you going to bring up? I'm not July July. Oh, yeah. Yeah. July, uh, I, 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 that's that's yes. different. That's different. Like, come on now. You're going to bring up a bust? <laughs> You're going to bring up a bust? It wasn't play? a bust. I'm, okay. He was a bust for where he was drafted, but he was like everyone was just like, this oh, yeah. Could, round. Compare Zayvon Collins to Robert Aguayo. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Which here. one would you rather have? <laughs> but I mean, at some point, you kind of have to because. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm just asking the question. Just asking the question. I'm trying to think of some of the some of the guys which, that play that role. That guy is still the GM for the Bucks, which blows my After mind. After drafting Robert Aguayo in the second round? Yeah. Let's not bring it up. All right. Cornerbacks here. Let's go through the whole secondary and then jump to our prospect and rookies preview. But Rodarius Williams, Oklahoma State. What is this his fourth or fifth year at Oklahoma State? Fifth. fifth. So he's Greedy Williams' brother. Yeah. He's Greedy Williams' older brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? I he's knew he was older. older than he was Greedy that Williams. Old. Greedy Williams is in year two in the NFL. And that's Rodarius Williams' older brother. Is Greedy's real first name Greedy? It's Azan. Uh, uh, I'm just asking. I was just no, asking. I wasn't sure. I was going to say, because if they name one son Rodarius and the other son it Greedy, Alize it's like, man, Alize? Greedy's a. Andreas. Oh, uh, okay. That's right. There's an A and a Z somewhere. Gotcha. Well, Rodarius Williams of Oklahoma State, sorry. Ifitu Melifanu of Syracuse, who I really liked early in the year, but I've been watching more Syracuse because I've been betting them as big dogs. Mm-hmm. He's he he might be soft. I, yes. He might be soft. Obi Melifanu was, was soft. Yeah, that was his Obi Melifanu was soft. And then the biggest concern I had with Ifitu is he also soft. And then you yeah. see him trying to tackle some of these, specifically against Notre Dame. It was kind of ugly. So like you watch him and Israel Mukamu Mukuamu, the mm-hmm. South Carolina cornerback, who's like also massive. So that's Melifanu's biggest self point. He's six three, two thirteen at cornerback, and doesn't look out of place. Like he moves like cornerback. Yeah. And he's graded out fairly well this year, 79.3 coverage. Grade. He's been good in coverage. He's been a lot, yeah, like actually sticking with guys. He's great. But, like, he should be at the line of scrimmage and just stopping guys in their tracks. He has that phys- level of physical ability to do that. But he does not. He acts like he is a 5'9 slot corner when he goes out there to impress coverage. And I haven't seen him play a physical matchup yet. I'm yeah. sorry. I-, I haven't. Which, can you pull that out of a guy? Couldn't pull that out of Obi. I don't know. I don't know. That's on you as a coach. Yeah, that's one of those ones where you're the GM or the scout, and you're like, you throw him, you're like, hey, now if he busts, it's on you because he has all the tools. I was right, the tools are still there. You just didn't. There's different levels of toughness, though. 
you know, yeah. Obi Milfano, in addition to being a rel- you know, relatively soft player on the football field, also struggled to play through injury. And I think that matters. I, mm-hmm. I, I think there are a ton of players in the NFL. You know, it, there's the, thing, the injury-prone conversation, like is this player injury-prone? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe necessarily that players can be injury-prone, but there are definitely levels to a player willing to play through injury on this side and a player not willing to play through injury on this side. And you know, that person on the far left here maybe gets named injury-prone. no. They're getting as many injuries as this other guy, or yeah. getting banged up as this other guy, but not as willing to play through those injuries, not as willing to play dinged up. And I think uh, Obi Melifon would struggle with that. It was one of the things that the Raiders brought up when they released him after being a second round. Oh, yeah, pick. John Gruden. Like, He's like, dude, if, you won't play th- if, if you're always hurt, yeah. everyone's always hurt. He brought up Colt Miller in the same conversation. Colt Miller's been hurt all this year, and he's played every game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think um, that matters. I, you know, ability. Is the you know availability is one of the bigger abilities, whatever that freaking is. The best ability is availability. Thanks, producer Quinn. I think we need him to come in because I say a bunch of dumbass shit on this podcast. I I feel like I mix phrases all the time. I need Quinn to correct me when he when he can. All right, last two things here on the riser team: safety Richie Grant, who I know um, was another guy on the Maxwell discussion and the Benark discussion, was the name that they brought up, and then Jaquan Brisker of Penn State, the other safety there. Yeah, so Grant kind of cut his teeth, came out. Big year in 2018, his first year as starter with six picks. But he was most like a deep free safety in that defense uh, for UCF and has reinvented himself this year as a box slot guy. Like he's played more box snaps than he has deep for the first time in his career and has the highest run defense grade of any safety in college football. Been excellent in that regard. Superb tackler, only six missed tackles. So he's kind of showed the complete skill set, whereas early on in his career, they just didn't ask him to. He was he, so. Uh, now I think like he's that's going to move you up boards. There's only so much sort of if you're just a deep guy and you don't have really elite sort of physical traits, you're just not going to go that high in the NFL draft. But showing you have a versatile skill set like I think Grant has this year, big for him. And then Brisker is a guy who kind of played in a rotation in 2019 at Penn State, comes on this year. To me, he's one of the better box safeties. He reminds me a lot of former Penn State safety, Adrian Amos, because he's big, 6'1", 212, not super explosive, but just very sound. One of the best tacklers in the country, only one missed tackle all season long, 45 attempts. Uh, he's just a guy who's kind of always around the ball, never going to wow, like I said, never, not going to wow you athletically. He's probably going to go fourth round, fifth round, something like that, kind of where Adrian Amos went, and I think just overplay that because I think he's just a good football player. I think tackling is one of the bigger things I'm looking for in a box safety. Because, yeah. I mean, linebacker is obviously important, but box safety, you're playing sometimes, you know, literally seven, eight, two or three yards further back and yeah. need to be that secure tackler when you're on the back end. <clears throat> All right. Um, before we drive into the prospect and rookies preview here in our green light picks, let's go ahead and take a short break. Two for One Drafts is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. 
MoosFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. You're kicking off this rookie preview here with The Needle, a.k.a. Cameron Dantzler, former Mississippi State quarterback, falling out of late with the Minnesota Vikings, going against Mike Evans, which is, this is going to be... Or, a, or it might be Antonio Brown, or it might be Chris Godwin. Or it might be Scotty Miller. Yeah. Who knows? So, but this, this is a, a good match, nonetheless. Yes. And at, after the monster game we highlighted, has he turned the corner? Or was that kind of just a flash in the pan with two big plays? We'll see. I hope it's turned the corner because we obviously loved his skill set coming out. And he's got the fucking best nickname of any corner in the NFL. The Needle's dope. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be a ridiculously lanky-looking dude who's out of place at the NFL level with how skinny you are, have a nickname that highlights that. Yeah. And Who runs a 4-2 it. on a phone-recorded Pro Day video and a 4-5 at the Combine. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of improvement. Yeah, I mean, like... With how much he's improved in only like two months there, think about six months from now what he could be running. He's going to be running like a 3-9. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> obviously a joke there. Uh, I'm staying with that game for my rookie uh, rookie to watch here. It's Justin Jefferson, the second high, no third highest graded receiver in all of football behind Devontae Adams, and I believe Adam Thielen might have a higher grade than him so far this year. Um, but Justin Jefferson has balled out, and he's going against some really, really good cornerbacks that – have been put on display of late. They haven't been as good as they were at the start of the season, but Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean have both played well in bits this year. Tampa Bay in that game is favored by six and a half. I think Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings are going to have to throw the football to win that game. I like Justin Jefferson versus those two guys. I think he I think he puts it on again. I do not expect Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean to limit Justin Jefferson. No one has. No one's been able to limit Justin Jefferson. Every single week you think maybe this is a tough matchup. He has balled out every single week as a you know, really good replacement to Stephon Diggs, the guy they picked up in that trade of Stephon Diggs. Man, Justin Jefferson, can't say enough of good things about him. He's my favorite for offensive rookie of the year right now. I, I mean, over yeah. Justin Herbert, over Joe Burrow, if you're going to give him kind of that pity award. I think Brand- Justin Jefferson is the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, has to be. And I w- I'll predict right now, one big play double move against one of those corners. 100%. They're too aggressive. Jamel Dean loves Justin to Justin Jefferson can sell it with the best of them. One big play double move, calling it right now. All right, I'm going to go highlight... A guy, Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle, Tershawn Wharton, has slowed since his hot start to the season. Now, maybe a little bit more intensive than what he was used to as a Missouri S&T minor back a year ago in college uh, in terms of minor how much he's played. More. But going up against an offensive line in the Dolphins that he should, should be favorable for him. So hopefully Tershawn Wharton flashes once again. 
Uh, my next matchup here is Brandon Ayuk, who I thought, I know he had that drop that led to the pick that was ugly, but he ran a really, really good route on that play. It did not get highlighted because he obviously dropped the pass and it, and it got batted up and intercepted. But Brandon Ayuk has, I'm going to call it right now, in addition to Justin Jefferson kind of exceeding expectations, I was not super high on Brandon Ayuk coming out of Arizona State. I think large, that was mostly because it was a very limited route tree, but I think the biggest you know biggest bang the table for him was he's an athlete. He's explosive, obviously explosive, and that's what you look for in wide receivers. He's running a more diverse route tree for the San Francisco 49ers, getting scheme targets behind the line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage, and making plays after the catch. I, I think he's looked really good. I think among all offensive rookies, he ranks top five in PFF grade, playing you know, a lower number of snaps than some of the other guys, but still has been impressive when he has played going against Kendall Fuller and that quietly very good Washington football team defense over the past, I think five weeks, they make inside the top three in EPA per play allowed. This is going to be a good matchup. San Francisco favored by three and a half. I don't know if I love backing Nick Mullins at three and a half, but I think Brandon, now you could have a good day against what is, I think a very good defense. Yeah. That line. I just hate staying away. I hate betting on like, Bad quarterbacks. Yeah. I hate betting on bad quarterbacks. There was one time where the PFF forecast had Drew Locke as their lock of the week. Obviously, they're betting the Broncos. But it's like, I don't want to sweat yeah. Drew Locke for 60 minutes. Yeah. Absolutely it's like they not. could be up 14. Like, what are you rooting you, for? You like, pick sixes? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't do it. Go ahead. All right. My last one here. Lloyd Cushenberry, who we haven't talked about of late because that's good mm-hmm. because he was on a regular on the blackout segments earlier on in the season. So he's he's been better to a degree, going up against Derek Brown, Carolina Panthers, Brave and Roy, Carolina Panthers, that young defensive tackle duo. Now, Brown was just paced, placed on the COVID list, but I believe he was a contact and did not himself have COVID. So still still should be able to play, but even if he doesn't, Brave and Roy. Brave and Roy, your boy. Uh, last one here, I have Justin Herbert, who you know is coming off a pretty bad game, probably the worst game of his career against Bill Belichick's defense, the New England Patriots, going against a much easier defense to go against that was the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons defense has been bad. Uh, all season long outside of that game they played against the Las Vegas Raiders, a trap game, if you will. And I'll also highlight in this matchup as well, A.J. Terrell, who's the highest graded rookie corner right now. After a tough start to the season where a lot of his concerns were, I think, were mental, still adjusting to the speed of the game, he's getting more and more comfortable, specifically against the run. You know, against these outside runs, he is coming up and tackling. He's tackling on screens. I've been really impressed with how A.J. Terrell has improved. I actually got um, one of the um, writers for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reached out and said, hey, like, Talked to me about AJ Terrell's grade and look, and I went back and watched you know all of his um, targets this season, and honestly, you see steady improvement from AJ Terrell, the former Clemson cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons, and like I said, highest graded rookie cornerback so far this year. Uh, Chargers are two and a half point dogs at home in that matchup. I'm interested to see how Herbert and Terrell play. Yeah, I think Herbert needs a bounce back game. That was about as ugly as it gets. That's oh, your, yeah. There's your welcome. There's your rookie moment. You can Seth Galina wrote up an article. You know, um, if he gets Belichick, like he's gonna he's gonna roast quarterbacks with the best of them. So we'll forgive you, but you got to bounce back quick here. Yeah, Seth Galina, you know, reached out to me and said, "Hey, can I write um, an article on Justin Herbert and how he performed against the New England Patriots?" It's like, what's it going to be? It just wasn't good. It's like pretty much, it's like, oh yeah, let's write it up. And he went kind of through and highlighted some of the things that Bill Belichick throws at rookie quarterbacks, and it's like. This was this was never going to be easy for Justin Herbert, and he kind of really struggled. But uh, it's not easy for any rookie quarterback seeing that many different looks, etc. All right, what is your green line pick of the week? And remember, PFF Green Line is a betting dashboard where you can see PFF's projections for totals, sides, and the money line every single week for every game in the NFL. The ones that don't get canceled. Same with the NCAA, but we'll get to those later. That's available in the game PFF. In the NFL. Don't say canceled. Postponed. Postponed. Sorry. They cancel college games. They postpone NFL games. Yeah. Rise up. 
Uh, no, but uh, you can get that in your PFF Elite subscription on PFF.com. Go ahead and give me your green line pick this week. My pick of the week is going to be the Houston Texans. Minus one against the Chicago Bears. This, to me, Bears losers of six straight, feels like the official give-up game for the Chicago Bears that ends wow. Matt Nagy's tenure. Now, two weeks ago against the Packers, they obviously gave up, but that was a good team. Like, like They were... I stupidly picked the Bears covering that one on the show. Uh, we're going to delete that episode. This is the game where they officially... It feels like uh, just don't show up to play. Nothing goes right. And Matt Nagy's tenure as the Bears head coach may come to an end, unfortunately, because I don't think he's that bad of a coach. I think he kind of got railroaded, or, I mean, kind of. He got railroaded by having to try to develop Mitchell Trubisky. will be interesting. You know, obviously, Chicago Bears, one-point dogs at home, looking ahead to the weather in that game, 32 degrees Fahrenheit with 12-mile-an-hour winds, precipitation chance at 20%. I think weather matters in that game, because if Deshaun Watson can't cook, I get less and less excited about him covering the number, but many, I do like uh, Texans minus one. How many, how many times do we see Deshaun Watson in a Bears jersey? Picks of that. Oh no, I'm not ready for that. Around. I hate that. I, I, that, that, that. My brother sends it, so he lives in Chicago. He's a Packers fan. He sends it to all his friends in Chicago. That and the Mahomes one, like every single Sunday. <laughs> he just they they are so tired of him. All right, my green line pick this week, and I think it's actually going to be the lock of the week on the PFF forecast. I'm not sure yet. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. But Sunday night football, Pittsburgh Steelers, George Chahuri's most overrated team in the NFL going to Buffalo to take on a very hot Buffalo Bills team. According to PFF Greenline, 93% of the cash and 61% of the tickets are on Buffalo right now at minus 2.5. It's not through that key number yet, that key number being 3. At minus 2.5, it's one I'm slamming multiple units on. I think Josh Allen at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, now without Bud Dupree, and we saw what that offense looked like against the Washington football team. Chase Young, after the game, was screaming, Baltimore exposed some things. Monte Sweat was saying, we knew it, we knew it, we knew it. That offense... The, the, the book might be out on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I like Buffalo. The book is having them drop 10 passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did drop. Like, like, so the, the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers have the most drop They can drop throw pass. to Eric Ebron. That might be the book. That might be the book. The That's Pittsburgh book. Steelers have the most drop passes of any team this season at 34. Over the past two weeks, they have 16, I think. The next highest team, I think, is the Colts was like six. Yeah. They have dropped a ton of passes uh, so far this year. But I like Buffalo minus two and a half. If it gets through three, say it gets to minus three, minus three and a half as we get closer, I'd lay off it at three and a half. But minus two and a half, I'm putting multiple units on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. On to college football. Start with your prospect matchup to watch it. All right. Vanderbilt defensive lineman and, pardon my pronunciation, I'm going to butcher it, senior bowl invite. Dio Odiingbo. So I like that. I think that's uh, fine. That's close. Going up against Tennessee this week. Uh, Trey Smith, Cade Mays, that guard duo. Cade Mays probably comes back to school. Uh, was the Georgia transfer, former five-star. He's only, I want to say, a redshirt sophomore at this point. Trey Smith, though, senior. He's going to be coming out. It's a good matchup for both. Uh, Odiingbo, he plays inside-outside. He's like 6'6", 275, big dude. So he'll go up against them a good deal. Um and he's having a big year, and actually, obviously, that's why he got his senior bowl in mind. All righty. My next matchup here, I'm looking at Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, the two best prospects on BYU, looking to bounce back. BYU in this game favored by 16.5 over our San Diego State Aztecs. And the reason I bring this up, the top three teams in EPA per, per play allowed, the top three defenses in EPA per play allowed so far this season are Wisconsin on a limited sample size, Clemson, and San Diego State. This is a tough defense. It's been a tough defense since I was going to school there, there back in 2017, 2016. 
This is a very, very, when Calvin Munson was out there making plays, the current Miami Dolphins linebacker, um, who else was on that team? I'm trying to think. Oh, Jumate Casey, my guy. Oh, yeah, Casey. There, there uh, That was a good defense. But anyway, this defense is legit. 16 and a half? It's not my green line pick because it's not through like that key number. Maybe if it gets to 17, but... I like San Diego State's defense a lot. And after yeah. what we saw... Expose Zach Wilson's weaknesses. After what we saw against our Chanticleers, you're going to yeah. go San Diego State here? I, I, I do think um, there might be some value on San Diego State as we get closer to that game. This is going to be a tough defense for Zach Wilson. It's going to be a test. They may be 16.5-point favorites, but this is going to be a test for our boy Zach Wilson trying to be the top three pick so far this year. Uh, give me your next matchup. My next matchup, my last matchup I'm going to highlight, Larry Borum, Missouri Tackle. Kind of touched on them. There's not a lot to pick from this week. So this one's kind of kind of rough, and I kind of cheated. Going up against Zijo Jolari, the Georgia edge defender, this would be theoretically the guy Borum would struggle with. The bendy, good get-off, outside uh, guy who can win to the outside. Borum, not the most fleet of foot. Now, they won't match up a ton, which is why I kind of cheated with this one, because cheater. he goes about... Ojalar is about 75% against left tackles, 25% right tackles. So we'll see it for a few snaps. That's all I need. All right, I only have two more here. I got a bonus one. I got one legit one, then a bonus one. USC versus UCLA. UCLA at home, plus three. You got, you got multiple USC players that are you know kind of regarded prospects. Amon Ross St. Brown, who had four touchdowns, I think, in the first quarter yeah. against Washington State's defense. Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy we highlighted earlier in the podcast as a, one of the all-risers here playing tackle. And then Hufuanga, the, the former five-star linebacker safety type that is having is playing really, really well this year. He is um, a guy that's battled injuries throughout his career at USC. But like all, talk about all the tools in the world. This guy has... Freakish athleticism, you know, uh, like I said, a former five-star. I think there's a ton of talent on USC, a big reason to turn on that game. And my bonus to watch, John Radigan, the linebacker for Army, going against Navy. Army, seven-point favorites in this game. And the reason I bring it up is because when you were on that interview or that meeting with the Maxwell guys, you know, there are they're guys pounding the table for John Radigan. John Radigan. Let's watch John Radigan we're, this week. Let's see him go against pro Navy. To, pro to troop group. Army, Navy um, is... A pastime that we need yeah, to celebrate. It's good. Support the, the troops. John it's sad they don't get their own weekend this year because of COVID, but yeah, uh, I, I'll watch them too. I'll, I'll go ahead Let's and watch, watch them. them. Is, right. has, did, is the two-year rule still in effect? Do you have to go to service right away for two years? I'm not 100% sure. sure. Did Trump repeal that? I don't know. All right. Um, my green line pick of the week. I'm going to go back to my roots. U of I, University of Illinois, where I grew up, Champaign, 14 and a half point dogs to Northwestern. They're going to cover that. If only Against because Northwestern's only scored like enough to cover that once all year. So wow, yeah, fighting. Lovey Smith's defense against Northwestern's offense. <sighs> Lovey, that cover two? You kidding me? And at fourteen and a half, too, you get yeah. the two score. I, I think that's hot. I think that's hot. I have USC minus three on the road. Why do you hate me? On the road, I mean USC versus UCLA. This yeah. is a freaking thirty-minute drive. I don't actually know that, but I think it's it's not too long. But um, USC minus three versus UCLA. It's the better football team. The better quarterback, the better football team. USC minus three. That's practically a pick 'em. Yeah. I, I, I like USC. Yeah, I don't know why you keep picking USC, picking against Notre Dame. It's just not going to end well for you. Although, you know what I would love? This would be great. Is if USC goes undefeated this year, doesn't make the playoffs. Notre Dame loses a game. God forbid they won't lose a game to Clemson. But Notre Dame loses a game and still makes the playoffs. Oh, that would... That would, that would feel good? That would feel great for good me. Good for you, man. Good for you. That's going to do it for the Wednesday episode of 2 for 1 Drafts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to PFF's 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. It's big. Helps us out a ton. Got to rate, review, and subscribe. And also, I'm going to tease this a little bit. Friday, for the Monday episode, 
We're talking to none other than Tristan Wurst, Zan Bay Buccaneers offensive tackle, a guy that we talked to before the draft. Our OT2. We're, we're bringing back on the OT2 in the 2020 and 2020 NFL draft, a guy we'd have as OT1 after what he's done this year. But yeah, teasing that interview a bit. Also going to tease this. We're working on the draft guide, baby. And I think this one's going to be the best yet. That 2021 NFL draft guide is looking sexual and violent. Cannot wait to debut that. That's coming out in January. And if you remember, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in January, we might be giving out some free copies. I don't know. I might be in your email here pretty soon. Mike will be in your DMs. I'll be in your email inbox. Drop off some draft guys. But that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again, guys. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 241 Guys. 